Welcome to the Lasallian Way Online, a digital series produced by Christian Brothers University's Center for Digital Instruction in Memphis, Tennessee. In each episode, we focus on topics in online education and approach them from the Lasallian tradition. St. John Baptist de La Salle created a culture of student-centered teaching and learning focused on transforming the whole person. We aspire to follow the Lasallian way online. Welcome to CBU's Lasallian Way Online. I'm your host for today's show, Dr. Dale Hale. I'm also the director of Christian Brothers University's Center for Digital Instruction, or as you'll hear us refer to it often, CDI. I'm joined by the CDI team, instructional designers Tyler Isbell, Kyle Papura, and Chantel Bryant, and then our online student success specialist, Dr. Lorraine Kelly. Today, we launch a series about academic integrity and what it means as a LaSallean institution to approach cheating and plagiarism in online courses. We are honored to welcome CBU's Vice President of Academics and Professor of Philosophy, Dr. Paul Hott. This subject has received a great deal of attention during the pandemic because so many classes were moved online and it's forced universities to grapple with this on a much broader scale than many of us were prepared to do. So Paul, let's let's start at the most basic level. Why do you think students engage in cheating and plagiarism? And then how does that play out different if it is different online? Yeah, th- thanks, Dale. I don't have a scientific answer to the question of why, but I have an ex- experienced perspective as a faculty member and I've been teaching for, oh gosh, decades now. Um, and, you know, I think the motivation for, for any kind of, you know, academic misconduct is, I think it's fear-based um, and, it's a, and it's a lack of confidence in part. Um, not universally so. Um, I've seen some brazen and very confident acts of misconduct over my career. But I think the motivation here is that somehow from the student's perspective, they can't perform the way that they think the professor wants them to. Um, in the academic setting. And so they make a different choice um, than to to focus on the learning. So um, I do think it's it's about confidence. And um, and I think as we get into the con- conversation, as, I, as I've thought about this over my career, um, I think I've always wanted to respond to the student with an anticipate with the anticipation that that's kind of the mindset and that I have a responsibility to kind of help students get back to their confidence, because ultimately it's about their learning and wanting that to be an authentic, uh, you know, expression of what they've mastered, and then to and to not worry about the, you know, whatever the pressures are that have gotten to them uh, to make them make those choices. Um, but um, I think that's that's if I'm going to simplify, uh, I have seen peer pressure um, also be a factor in. Uh, academic misconduct, and that gets us in outside academic misconduct to actual you know, student misconduct, where another student compels, tries to compel another student uh, to to perform, to to cheat or or something, and that that gets us into um, I think even sort of it's not about the confidence at that point; it's we're in a different space. So, so if if I understand. 
understand you right. Your perspective is what Brene Brown has has talked about it it being she raises the question what if this is the best that they can do and so we we approach all of that as as if this is just the best that they can do and given the circumstances they're trying to perform well for for the faculty is is that basically what where you're headed with that yeah i think so i mean i might Sometimes they don't know that they're really thinking about the faculty member. They're they're thinking about you know uh, the longer term kind of issues like I got to keep my GPA up, right, mm-hmm. or lose my scholarship. There's a lot of that that's at stake, I think, in a student's mind about what what that means. Or you know I'll you know I'll, geez I'll, I won't even be happy in my life, or I won't get the job I want, and so I've got to do this thing right now. Um, and uh, and so you know we know on the academic side that we want you to, to, to work hard. That's what we're going to evaluate. And we want you to through that, through the, through that, that turmoil of learning, so to speak, that you, you do grow. And so um, we know that, you know, once you start down this path, you've already kind of cut yourself out of that process. But yeah, I think, um, so I don't know if it's about simply performing to meet that professor's expectations or to perform well in this or that class. I think that there's a kind of, other set of considerations that's often at work um, or it's just simple expediency sometimes it's just i didn't study and i need to find a way to get through this today and it was my fault but uh you know let me just sort of make a little calculation and see if i can you know can 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 trick them this time but but don't we don't we as faculty uh, sometimes have a have a jaded opinion of the students and we we tend to think that they're just lazy and that they're sleeping in their dorm room they could care less they're just trying to breeze through this so they can move on to whatever is next so yeah i think that certainly can happen you know i I, you know talking to faculty um thinking about it myself you know one one thing that we suffer when this happens is disappointment right and so when you're disappointed you know, and you're disappointed because you really are rooting for these students, um, and and so they let they they've let, let down part of the the the, the obligation or the contra- contract or whatever you want to call it, but that can be I think that be for for when you know when you're disappointed you can blame in that circumstance, and I'd say I would discourage that from from a, as a as a larger disposition that we think about, you know, some of the motivations for misconduct might have nothing to do with character, right, which is, you know, that these are, you know, habitual cheaters. But there is a, there's an incident that happened and there's a student who made a choice and that choice may be based on all kinds, any, you know, a whole range of factors. And so I would really, for any of us, you know, to, and I get to talk about this somewhat from an ethical perspective, that when we want to, when we're when we're interested or motivated to cast blame, to make sure that you know we're we're thoughtful about the fact that it's not the person, it's not the character accusation mm-hmm. that should motivate this, but really what are the causes at play in the moment that the student made that decision, um, you know, and I think that sh- that should potentially, and again I'm speaking not prescriptively for all faculty, there are all different kinds of courses, all different kinds of assessments that that need to be thought about very carefully in terms of their design so that not only are they thinking about the, the cheating or plagiarism potentialities there, but that they're thinking about what works best to to achieve the learning outcomes in the course. But I do think that um, it, it that 
having a kind of compassion for the student's experience is is really kind of what's well, necessary for me in teaching. I, I don't see how to work how to do this work in any other way. And that there is the student is arriving in your class room in your online class and um, in a, with, with a certain set of experiences that you don't really know, um, but you can anticipate some and that the fear of not being successful is going to be active um, and, and, and sometimes debilitatingly so. So that might motivate the bad behaviors that get, they get named as, oh, that person's just dishonest or this person's just lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, if, if, I, if, if I start with fear as the motivation, then I have a whole different type of approach that I'm going to take to my teaching than assuming that, you know, I've just got a bad batch or something that I'm working with, um, you know, and, and those other things could be true. I mean, I'm not, you know, but I think on the whole, the, our students especially, I mean, they're, they, they want, they want to learn, they want um, uh, to be challenged. Um, they want really good teaching, um, but you know, even great students will have those moments of expediency or fear, and uh, and they, they, you know, we do need to help them in terms of character by learning how to be courageous, and yeah. I think that's the that's the exercise of learning. So that's was somebody else getting ready to say something there? Well, I wanted to ask uh, Paul a question as the Please. online student success specialist. Uh, just about have the concerns about cheating has it grown among faculty with all with so many more classes online or have actual incidents um, increased? So my perception isn't that the the fear has grown or the concern has grown. I think that the technology does does elevate it in a sense that so that there are there's a sense of loss of control that that the faculty member would experience in online and that. You know, you don't have the kind of God's eye view that you might have in the classroom. I remember early on in, in my teaching, I had a professor, you know, when I was a TA for a big lecture assignment. And the, his tip was just sit in the back, you know, because then they don't know what's going on. And so it's interesting how there are online, you know, d d technologies that basically work the same way. Um, and so, um, but that's a design question. But I, I, as far as, you know, whether this, increases that or not. Uh, I mean, I think faculty are certainly concerned from what, I, from what I've been talking with faculty and, and, and thinking about their experiences. Um, and there are areas of concern based on the, the kind of disciplinary content where I think there's a, there just, it's, it's it, I don't know if it's because it takes more effort to design, you know, preventive measures to, to, to try to stave off cheating, but certain kinds of uh, assessments, certain kinds of tests um, are, I think, more, you know, some faculty in those disciplines, I'm thinking really the quantitative disciplines especially, are, are concerned about um, how much easier it might be for students to, to be dishonest um, in, in, in their work. But, uh, you know, they're prior to, you know, the, there are so many ways that students can bypass their learning experience in any kind of uh, discipline today. And, uh, and there are you know, industries out there that are also capitalizing this as well, and people selling tips to help students cheat. There's people who sell papers, you know, you know, it, you name it. And so, you know, we're, we, when we, when, when students make, take those efforts, we, we do take them, you know, incredibly seriously. 
Um, and so it's not simply that, you know, I want to make sure, you know, earlier on talking about my compassion for, for the learning experience, but we have to protect the learning experience too. And, um, and so um, the, there, are, there are consequences for cheating um, and so that, and, and dishonesty. Uh, and if we, if we catch it, uh, we have to, we have an obligation to report and to act. So I want to, I want to get back to that point here in just, just a minute, because I think, I think we as a team uh, really need, we need a perspective that will help us see how to help our faculty. So some of that is technologically and some of that is rethinking how we go about uh, plagiarism and cheating and, and what we do with that. But one of the questions I think that that fits really well in this in this space, when you and I first talked about this, uh, you were talking about uh, cheating being I don't want to say permissible, but but understanding that that there is a way to make to make cheating. This is not how you said it, so I, please understand. But how to make cheating not cheating? So how designing the class so that students will collaborate together and that that be designed so that it's there for them to keep from cheating does that make sense maybe um so thanks dale um so i i'm wondering you know what at that moment how brilliant i might have been or how, <laughs> um it was brilliant brother it <laughs> was brilliant but uh so but i think that what i do want to say is that the cheating should be a learning experience i think there's an opportunity in you know that that you know as you know i mentioned the disappointment that faculty have earlier. And so the question is, what do you do with that? Right. So you can kind of say, I'm going to just write this student off um, and and make, you know, and I've got to focus on the ones who are good or whatever you, you're thinking there. And of course, some, some of your students are probably thinking, well, that other one over there, doc, Dr. Haught doesn't know that that person's cheating and he thinks they're good. And so, you know, you've got to set up an environment that 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 tries to be just um, and and it's it's no easy thing to accomplish. But I do think when you have these episodes um, of misconduct, you know, again, a first strike policy doesn't seem lasallian to me. So that if a student, you know, is is, you know, I think we need to report the first incident. But then, you know, what I do see a lot of times, and I really, really appreciate the thoughtfulness and caringness of our faculty, is that so we'll, you know, a faculty member um, when a when a cheating incident or a plagiarism incident occurs, um, there's a process. Um, for reporting that, and you can find that in the faculty handbook. You can get it from my office in terms of uh, academic misconduct policy. It's also in the student compass. But when um, when they report it, um, they get to provide a narrative of how they resolved the the situation, what the penalty was, and um, I'm very often you'll see in that that the solution involved. Okay, yes, the student received this mark on their quiz or on their assignment, um, but I've also um, you know, had sat down with them and had a conversation about how this you know exercise or this this action on their part meets the goals or not of the class and fits within that. So, you know, I think Dale to your question, and I don't not recalling exactly what I said before, but I think this issue, and I think this is where CDI has been helpful, and and you know as we move kind of past um, COVID 
fingers crossed into a, a future where we're kind of more you know, free to not just react to our circumstances, but to really be proactive, that these are conversations that faculty need to have together over and over again. Um, because that one is you're, you're here today, we're here today talking about how the technology might be influencing behavior this way or that, and it does. There's no question to me that it does. Um, and then, so the questions are: What are the resources? What are the insights that our our faculty have come across in dealing with this in their own way? Um, and you know, what works in philosophy as opposed to electrical engineering? You know, and those types of of, of courses. So um, I think there are probably a number of ways to design tests, to design assignments, in ways that reduce the likelihood. Of misconduct, I think you know. Uh, without, you know, I think there are there there are assignments that. So even when I, what I would often do is, you know, I would never use the same test twice, right? Um, so that's not out there. I would ask, you know, I'm looking for. I'm always rethinking the, you know, did I get that question right um, in in my courses? Um, but to to give students an opportunity through the assignment to demonstrate. The, the learning outcomes I'm looking for. So critical thinking, independent thought, um, good sentence structure, you know, all of those types of things. Or in logic problems, you know, so we're doing problem sets in those types of cases to to find ways that, that they're not just simply, you know, distributing the same test over again, that that I give them a different um, a different proof to, 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 to work through. So again, I think every faculty member knows their discipline, knows their craft, you know, in, in a way that they've thought about these, these cheating incidents and you know I think um, you know I was, uh, looking at looking at the um, the report data so I get a I get my office gets a report for these incidents and it pulls into a database and I was looking at that and just to see you know what it looked like over this academic year and so there looked like there was a kind of little burst of, of incidents back in April. So this is right after the pandemic and mm -hmm. faculty are, and, and students are getting used to you know, that, that shift um, to online. And, it, you know, th and then it looks more normal after, after that. So um, there are, you know, and, and, and I, again, really am grateful for our faculty for reporting it the way they do. And, um, and then their thoughtfulness. I mean, these are not kind of, I don't see any evidence in the comments that the faculty put in their um, their reports that they're anything other than supportive of student learning. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're very professional in how they're responding to, to these incidents. Excellent. So I'll invite my team. At this point, there's another direction I want to go, but is uh, any questions that you have for Paul at this point? I have one, uh, Paul Kyle here. It, how important do you think it is for faculty to be explicit in their syllabi in terms of like how to cite work and cite sources? Mm. Um, you know, I, I just as a former teacher, I know I, sometimes I would think default that, well, students should know how to do this and then find out that actually they didn't. And so I, just me personally got more explicit about that. But what's what's your feeling for that? 
Yeah, so I, I think being as explicit as possible about what your expectations are is necessary. Um, but I'm also going to add to that that, you know, and this is, a, again, a leather layer of work, but the syllabus isn't sufficient for communicating those, those standards. Um, and so when the assignment is first given, especially at the intro level courses, um, where, you know, you, again, I go back to the fact that our students come to us in all you know, with all kinds of experiences. I, mean, I even kind of shifted my thinking over the years that even you know, my upper division philosophy courses were all kind of introductions to philosophy, and in some sense, introductions to college. And so, um, so you know, I, I, I don't necessarily have to spend as much time in an upper division course going through the expectations about citation rules as I might earlier on, but I also know that I'm going to have issues with that in every class. I'm going to have confusion about this, that the way I phrased it on the syllabus probably wasn't heard the right way. Mm -hmm. um, and, I'm up, and I think if, 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 if we're really pushing this to, to kind of be helpful, we dialogue with our students. We give them an opportunity to kind of help us think through whether the assignment is, is doing what it needs to do, even before they get into it. Um, and that's, you know, Dale, you mentioned uh, group work, you know, as a potential avenue around misconduct. And I would say that, you know, I've, all of us who have assigned group work can struggle with with um, free riders, let's call it that, so the people who, who don't pull their own weight. And uh, and so you still, so even there, I, I used to spend a lot of time kind of maybe, maybe too elaborately figuring out ways in advance to make sure that everyone did that um, so that, you know, when you're assigned to a group, you know the kind of ethical obligations there. So, so be explicit, but be prepared for redundancy um, in um, in how you design, how you talk, message this, um, because it, it it can be the case that again to go back to the, kind of the frustrations that you have when somebody does plagiarize. But I go, I would go back. What did I do in my class that that made this easier for the student to think that this was possible? Um, and uh, again, you know, that's why you, you know, the first strike probably, you know, it might be on me. You know, I might have, you know, the student made the made the made a poor decision. They might not have really understood how to navigate college yet. Then we have the conversation, but then we keep keep reinforcing the values and norms that we want for our students. And and so I I, I think being redundant, being explicit, don't put everything on the student. Maybe that's a bit, you know, uh, patronizing. I'm not sure, but but I think students appreciate more information than not um, and uh, and I think in an online environment there are lots of great opportunities to provide that information at different points throughout um, the course and so um, in, in fact in some in some ways it's it might be even easier than the traditional class where we might not have that you know over time a lot of us you know moved to using and utilizing an LMS at least to supplement what we were doing even in a face-to-face course but um, I think the way especially the courses I've seen you guys help design here um, I think you really do have opportunities to really communicate expectations very clearly uh, um, and that means both the preventive ones against misconduct but really about what's expected to to really perform well um, in a particular exercise or project um, in the course yeah Paul that's this is Lorraine again and, and I think what you really brought in is teaching presence um, which is mm -hmm. is a big part of how um, faculty are trained here uh, in terms of designing a course with that explicit direction about expectations and 
going over things and just like you said, not just having it in the syllabus, but you know, on the page where the exam or the assignment is delivered. Um, again, you know, repeating that redundancy that you mentioned. I mean, I think that is it is very online um, in terms of, of how we're teaching um, with that explicitness and that redundancy and um, not just expecting that students understand how to do these things. Uh, so, so I think that's really one place, just as you stated, where there can be a real advantage um, with online because it really it really calls for that because you have to anticipate what the student's going to need before each assignment and really walk them through that. Well, thank you, Lorraine. I, I really like that term teaching presence. It really kind of affirms again the, the I mean, I think this is what what I've really enjoyed learning from all of you um, about this, these, this technology. It's that there is a level of self-awareness that this brings to the work that I think is implicit in the way I was brought into the teaching profession, but not made explicit. And and then and so in in the the design work that you all are supporting um, and thinking about presence in this in interesting way, um, I love that. Um, and so um, thank you for again reinforcing it here. So I want to in the in the remaining time that we have here, I want to take just a, a little bit of a shift from from the, the way we've been going to uh, prevention. So there's been a lot of, as Lorene was saying, there's been a lot of um, print matter and discussion about monitoring students. So Proctor U and now Respondus Monitor has a, a lawsuit brought against against them or against an institution who's been using uh, Respondus Monitor. The concern is that um, the, the person who is doing the monitoring can see the setting and then, then can see the student. And yet we hear on the other side, in fact, we've, we've had discussions about some of our faculty with some of our faculty, that some uh, accrediting bodies demand that the student go through some sort of a testing service so that we can prove that the student is who the student, excuse me, who the student says they are. How do we balance the, the notion of privacy with, with that, uh, that whole concept of of monitoring the student to, to ensure that the student is who they say they are when they're taking the exam. That all fits into the whole cheating plagiarism category of monitoring and making sure that this person is not cheating, that the work that they're producing is really their work. Yeah, this is a really complex question. And um, so the, the, the word that's going, going through my head is that we, were, we're, we operate in a kind of you know, academic ecosystem here. Um, and, and so, and in that sense, you know, privacy concerns are always going to be part of, of the experience. But then you also have norms, requirements, standards, um, et cetera, that influence how classes are taught, how curricula are built. Um, and so I think, um, you know, again, I don't have a, a simple one one shot answer here for this. I think that, you know, I approach a lot of a lot of issues this way. We need policies and we need but we also need to think about you know, how those policies are adaptive to the circumstances of our day. And so this is where I think conversations, dialogues with, 
you know, our, our faculty, um, but also our, our vendor partners, um, our accrediting bodies, as you mentioned, um, you know, have to be part of the routine um, because we are going to continue to have these issues and we're going to have incidents where we, we might not get it right um, in the short term. Um, and that's that's not OK in the short in the immediate situation. You want to avoid that. But I think it is kind of expected, especially as you know, we're learning like all technologies, you know, um, create new opportunities to, to, to be a person in the world. And uh, and that means that they're going to come with a moral all the moral choices of being a person in the world. And so, um, so I think we just have to continue to to learn about what what these technologies bring. I do think though that there is some you know realism to what we have to do too. We can't simply stand still, and you know we we have to we have to meet students where they are, um, and so you know we we need to adapt. But if and then there's a there's I think where I thought the question might be going, there's a bit of a kind of arms race. A dimension to this as well. So there's the cheater, and then there's the the try to person trying to prevent it, and so and then there's these standards out there that you know influence um, you know how you you know what what the appropriate policy is. So there that means that there is a point at which any organization needs to figure out what's the most cost effective solution to address the problem, how big is the problem that we're anticipating um, resolving. And so those are those are decisions that we have to make collectively, collaboratively and based on based on our capacity to resolve. So it may not be affordable um, for an institution for all of its courses to have, you know, a um, you know, in-person proctoring service or, you know, in, in, at work. At the other hand, that my, my I would predict that we'll continue to see the, the rise of, of opportunities to collaborate with other institutions or vendors where these site where there are sites that allow you to do this and provide that kind of thing. It's a it's a niche that go back to the ecosystem that that is is there to be filled and that there are companies there, you know, uh, we've, we've considered being a testing site um, ourselves and we may continue to uh, we shouldn't take that comp that option off the table because we know that that would benefit not only our on ground or our local students but students who are local but maybe you know taking assessments for a company that they work for but they work remotely or um, or others so I, I anticipate that we'll find some affordable solutions for these phenomena uh, over time but um, it is definitely um, an area where we're all it's moving fast and we have to continue to to review our policies and make sure that they're um, they're current with the the circumstances we're facing. Do you see that there's an antagonism between, say, proctoring software and the Lasallian model? Oh gosh, um, yeah. So I'd have to think about that, um, and maybe I should. Um, uh, antagonism between the the say AI and Lasallian. Um, You know, I think when I think of LaSallean education, so I think of, you know, the core values, so respecting the whole, the person, right, and, um, you know, inclusivity, you know, and so these, I'm trying to think of the ones that, that fit, you know, with the circumstances that we're in. Actually, uh, that, that one is, is probably the biggest one, the inclusivity part. Yeah, so, um, you know, where... Yeah, you know, I think that there there is a sense in which we want to worry. I think we can worry about any technology that is 
you know, we're going to continue to confront this as, as we interface with with technologies that that behave like persons. Um, and but they're not persons; they're sophisticated algorithms, right? And so, but we use them to judge mm-hmm. persons, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think there's there's just simply an ethical terrain here that that we continue to, to have to, to to wrestle with. Um, and I think that there's a question of reliability. Um, you know, how does you know being under surveillance in by AI affect the, that fear factor I mentioned earlier on of the students stepping into the exam, um, you know, these are these, these are definitely uncharted waters in a lot of ways for, for where we are today. So I, I think that there's a question at the very least, Dale, about um, how the interface with AI is congruent with, say, respect for persons. And so, um, you know, and I think does our investment in it potentially detract from the value of high quality education um, at the same time you know so if, if we I think it's worth to, to include and incorporate you know there are all kinds of innovations we definitely want to um, to utilize in our teaching um, and uh, and so I'm not a, I wouldn't be afraid to to experiment with AI you know and, and looking at students eye movements and things like that while they're taking a test but I think I would want to be cautious to simply dive in and rely upon it um, yeah, right. until until we get some more. I mean, again, I, I I think we this is where we can pitch this out to the broader academy as we continue to hear feedback from all you know from from stakeholders and and uh, and um, um, you know, people who are applying these technologies, practitioners um, in their work. And just to see where we're going to continue to go. I think it's it's we're really kind of new to this, at least in my, that's my perspective. And um, you know, there's 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 definitely some some questions there about you know who this uh, who this excludes and, and 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 diminishes their experience. And if we're properly the salient, you know, again, we, I would start with that compassion for the student's situation. And uh, again, I don't have a clear answer for how that maps onto these technologies, but um, it needs to be part of the dynamic, part of our thoughtfulness about the student experience. So nothing is set in stone yet. We're we're just in the process of of living into and figuring it out as we go. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it's it, and again, there's there's opportunities right now for us to get through a course or a term or a semester and invest a lot of dollars just to protect against cheating and plagiarism. And so you start to think, okay, so what, is there another opportunity for us, a way to design our courses, our tests and so forth that don't require these investments? Because um, this, this seems, um, yeah, this is a lot and a lot for any institution, let alone, you know, CBU. Um, to 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 reckon with and cons- consider, you know, when when we're dependent on, you know, revenue flows that come from from the students who, you know, from all different kinds of economic backgrounds, the students who can afford to come here. Yeah. Well, I I know that we're running out of time, um, so we'll we'll end here pretty quick. Anybody from the team, any other uh, pressing questions you'd like to present? Okay. Well, Paul, I, I want you to know that we appreciate, <clears throat> excuse me, we appreciate your participation. This has been, this has been helpful for us, and uh, we appreciate your, 
your leadership um, and your wisdom in this. Uh, we we all have our own opinions, and and as a team, we're pretty much united in in the way that we're thinking. And you've helped solidify some of this. Um, and we will look forward to where this goes next. We're we're going to build on this. This is not. I think I told you this is not a single episode. Uh, we see that this is going to be something that that is just going to be ongoing. We we already have five or six more episodes already planned out, and I think as as we see uh, online learning develop here at CBU, we're going to see it continue to grow, and and more about this will be uh, a part of of just what we do. Uh, so well, this. Yeah, go ahead. Well, th- well, yeah, I didn't want to cut you off there, but I do really, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to to be part of this series and to be part of this conversation. Um, also, want to, to to thank you because what I think for me, what this all sets up is that, you know, this this is a really important context in which to bring our Lasallian traditions and our academic culture into dialogue with change, and um, and so this is. This is a, you know, again, one episode, one conversation is not a solution or or a policy proposal, but this is, I think, a broad, you know, a, a way to invite a broader conversation. And this team has already been really outstanding in supporting that. And again, as I said before, as we move into some more traditional times, so to speak, um, I think we can expect that this this is um, this is only going to catalyze more really important conversations that will keep us grounded in our core mission but um, you know are really you know really aimed at supporting faculty and supporting one another and supporting our students um, let me let me start there um, so thank you for this opportunity it's really been a pleasure all right well thanks Paul appreciate it thanks team appreciate your participation and showing up and not leaving me stranded it's all been good thank you so much Again, I'd like to give a special thanks to Dr. Paul Hawk for this very informative conversation about academic integrity. Look for upcoming episodes about online proctoring as well as creative ways to curb cheating and minimize plagiarism. So for the CDI team, I'm Dale Hale. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send those to the team at cdi at cbu.edu. Again, That's cdi at cbu.edu. Thank you all for being here, and we hope you'll continue with us on this journey as we seek to bring the LaSallean way online.